This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of OPI Talk. I'm your host Andy Braithwaite and today I'm delighted to welcome not one but two guests to OPI Talk. Today we are with Amy and Belinda Leone, the new co-CEOs of the leading Australian independent dealer, Cos. I'm going to say good morning but it's good evening to, to both of you and thank you, thank you for joining us on OPI Talk. It is good evening. Thanks for having us. <laughs> good morning to you. <laughs> okay, great, great to see you. I see you're you're in the office, so mm-hmm. that sounds like good good news for for working in the in Sydney. What's 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 the situation? Because we hear you know lockdowns and stuff like that. What, what's the situation at the moment with, with you guys? Well, it's a bit of a different story by state here. So we're. Uh, Uh, in Sydney and we've been in lockdown officially for 15, 16 weeks. That's been crazy. So we're fortunate that we fall into the essential worker category. So Amy and I have still been able to come into the office to to keep the business running. But it's kind of a different story by state. So half of our our country is completely free and, and having a great time. And then there's the eastern states, which are still in lockdown as Delta continues to mm-hmm. to go through the country, and we're all navigating this hybrid and lockdown kids at home instead of school challenge. Okay, all right. Well, we maybe talk about that towards the end. Just start off. Tell us a little bit about about Cos. Amy, you okay. want to? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so Cos is Australia's largest family owned and operated national B2B distributor of products. So everything for the modern office, as we say, wherever mm-hmm. your workplace is. And which is changing. Which is changing most recently. That could be home. Um, yeah, so distributor of thousands of products to every room from the boardroom to the bathroom to the kitchen uh, and most recently the home. <laughs> okay, great. Now, business was founded by your father, Dominic, I think back in 1976, if I've got my my dates correct, and just had the handover to yourselves as the co-CEO. So congratulations on that. I think it was some years in the making, wasn't it? It wasn't something that's just been planned overnight. Tell us a little bit about uh, the background to that. And I I guess co-CEOs is perhaps an unusual setup. What's the, the reasoning behind that as well? Yeah, Belinda here. I might take yeah, sure. this one. So, yeah, look, Dad started the company 45 plus years ago. Uh, and Amy and I have both been in the business. Uh, well, I'm 15 years and Amy's 18, and uh, 18 years. <laughs> so uh, it's certainly been our dream that at one point we would we would take over the business. And it wasn't always clear as to how that how that might look. But probably about four or so years ago, yeah. Uh, we started to form this idea of there doesn't need to be a chosen one and we're both talented in in different areas and quite complementary in our skills. So the idea started to be formed, well, why does it have to be one? Maybe it could be the two of us. And, you know, there's this interesting concept starting globally around co and maybe that could be the thing that we do. Uh, And so it's been many years in the planning uh, and lots of help along the way to get us ready. 
And yeah, we're literally month two. So <laughs> last month uh, in the middle of a COVID crisis, the time arrived and, and the reins were handed over. Right. So what happened on September the 1st? Did you clear out your father's office and you were installed? <laughs> or how, how, how did that work on, on day one? <laughs> well, I guess because it's been in the making for some time, it was very transitional for us, mm. really. It was kind of more the symbolism of the day. Yeah, also it was kind the of non event, really. And with, you know, hardly anybody around, it was a bit of a non event. But yeah. yeah. With kind of masks on and an elbow tap and, and, you know, off we went. So I think for most of the business, they've known it's coming and it was kind of just another day. It was just another day. Yeah. Yeah. uh, And, you know, Dom's just focusing on slightly uh, different things and... Yeah, in the office less. Yes. Okay. Yeah, but not able to do all the things he was hoping to do once he had less responsibility, waiting waiting for the city to open up. Right. It sounds like... uh reading the press release uh, and from talking to you previously it sounds like he, he's got a lot on his plate he's not going to be sitting there twiddling his thumbs by by any means absolutely not that's <laughs> not his style no definitely not so I think he's taken on the role of chairman uh, and really focusing on a number of key projects for us but acquisition is a key yeah. part of our growth plan and and one of the first cabs off the rank as chairman was the acquisition of, of quick corporate Australia, which was one of the largest dealers yeah. uh, in our country. And that was, uh, we took over actually four days ago. And so that was the first order of business was the successful implementation of that acquisition. So I, I think he's just as busy <laughs> as he ever was, but focusing in a slightly different area. Okay. You mentioned that QCA acquisition. How, how's that gone? Sounds sounds brand new, four, four days since the, the official closing. Is, is that right? Yeah, many months in the planning, but we're, we're day four of trade. Amy, how's it going? It's going really well, actually. We've um, spoken with uh, almost all of the customers. We've got some good trade coming through. Mm. Customers, so far, feedback's been really positive about service and mm. range. And, uh, yeah, the team is a little tired <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with all the planning, but glad to be finally trading uh, and meeting lots of new customers. And new staff members too. We've yeah. had welcomed 30 new people into the yeah, team. Yeah, we've got some great new week, talent so who've joined. We okay. always find that the great part of acquisition is picking up some excellent industry talent. Uh, in all of our acquisitions, actually, that's been a, a key uh, bonus as well, mm. as well as the customers. Yeah, it, it sounds like that one. It's a good balance in terms of you know, geography in having that stronger Western Australia presence and also in the mid-market customer segment as well. Well, coincidentally, Amy had just finished building a brand new facility <laughs> uh, in Western Australia, which was a coincidence. It was. I mean, we're, we're, we're investors into the future. Yes. Uh, and we built a uh, purpose-built facility in Perth, which just happened to finish the build uh, about four weeks before the acquisition go live. Right. So we were looking to fill De- it. Definitely, so definitely a coincidence then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we built it and knew we needed to fill it. So it was perfect timing. It was. Okay. And I was looking at some of the other acquisitions you've made. Obviously, Lyrico, that was more on perhaps the contract side of things. Also, Vital Office on the, on the education side. So yeah, a nice balance there of, of different uh, customer types. Yeah, each acquisition has really delivered um, something a bit, a bit different. So Lyrico was really... 
a mini version of what we were doing at the time, mm. just really focused on that contract space. And, and it was time for a restructure. We had four major players in the market at that time, which was just really too many for Australia based on our size. And so Lyrico just made good sense and really folded into our business quite sort of smoothly mm -hmm. and just really accelerated our growth of, of what we were already doing. Vital was a little different to that. Vital, we, we had been in the education market about three, three years, yeah. Mm. And um, <clears throat> we were doing well, but uh, Vital really just accelerated us to another level of understanding. So Vital really purely focused on education. We were very strong in the parent market, which at that point we were not in at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and it really just, one, we got some great talent, and two is it really rounded out our offer in education. Mm. And last year we, it, it grew beyond the acquisition. I think growth was 60 70% mm -hmm. last year in, in that set of customers. So it was a real accelerator. Uh, and then QCA is kind of different, again, ge you know, geographically in Perth and as well as mid-market. Mid so each of them has really served its own little purpose to to add a pocket in the right place at the right time. You, you mentioned mid-market. I mean, Officeworks is growing or trying to grow its B2B business mm. on, on that side. On the education side, obviously, you've got Wink and the old Office Max business there in Australia, which was very strong on the education side. So you're coming up against some, some large well-funded competitors. How do, you, how do you go to market against those guys? Well, they certainly are large. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if they're well-funded, but um, they've definitely... Look, they play two very different roles. I think Officeworks uh, is, is a great business and they've had a great year with, with people working from home. But at their heart, they're a retailer and you know they've attempted a few times to get in the B2B space, but it's quite different in what the customer expectation is from a service offering as well as an account management um, offer. And so we find that whilst they might sort of chop at the, the tail or a little bit of leakage in certain categories, they tend to really do well in that consumer uh, end of town. Uh, and at the end of the day, they're really, which is similar to Wink, the difference between a private business and a, and a public or a private equity business is quite, quite obvious. So we're we're not too worried about the next quarter's results. We're mm -hmm. really long-term uh, investors and operators, mm -hmm. and so we find that that's how we that's how we compete. So, you know, Wink is really you know private equity, get in, get out, uh, and you know try and and turn a profit in in that time period. Whereas we're here, second generation, uh, thinking about our customers and how to keep delivering great service so that we are both here for a really long time. Right. And obviously, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with, with Wink in terms of, of the exit strategy yes. for them. But uh, interesting. I won't say anything more about that. <laughs> <laughs> and neither will we. <laughs> let, let, let's have a look back at the, the past 18 months or so in terms of the pandemic. What, what did that mean for you as a business and then the you know, Australian office products industry as a whole, just in terms of some of the, perhaps some of the challenges, some of the things you had to do. We talk about the word pivot. How did, how did you pivot in, in the past 18 months? Belinda. Uh, well, I think from 
an Australian point of view, it's really been a really different story by state because the way that COVID has impacted our country has really varied. So Sydney and Melbourne really have borne the brunt of COVID's impact and uh, most extensive lockdowns in those two cities and the mass exit of CBDs and, and this very new and sudden idea of working from home uh, really took took hold in those two cities the most. Mm -hmm. So from a business point of view, we, we have uh, two pockets. We've got a lot of frontline essential businesses that really had to keep operating and look to us to help them with that. And that really saw a pivot of product and a real change and a very fast and steep learning curve on what products were going to be needed. And uh, lucky as a private business, we can take some, some risks and we can move pretty quick. And so we assemble the team internally to, to essentially take them out of their current role and work on this COVID, what we call surge products. Uh, and uh, we've used all of our sourcing networks across the, across the globe and, and took some pretty bold decisions pretty early of product that we thought we'd be able to sell and get on the way and, and product that we thought our customer would need. And, you know, lucky we could just go to Dom and say, hey, I think thermometers is going to be a big thing. Can I spend a million bucks on thermometers? And he would say, yeah, okay, sure. If, if you think that's a good idea, let's do it. <laughs> And then we would we'd get it on the way. So I think we were able to move really, really quickly, which helped find the pockets of business as the more traditional pockets really disappeared. So, you know, traditional copy paper and everything that's associated with that, toner, filing, all really took massive, massive hits. But it was all replaced by hygiene uh, and cleaning products and, you know, lots of people washing their hands and we got into all of that space and then the mask phenomenon occurred. So we really found that our customers still needed to keep their staff healthy and productive, which is really the purpose of our company. And it just changed in terms of the product mix. So it was looking pretty scary there right at the beginning mm -hmm. and it was a very uncertain time as to what would happen. And then the opportunities started to rise and, and we were able to to jump on board and, and help our customers. Yeah, obviously, I think Amy, inventory, inventory management is is your <laughs> is your is your baby, isn't it? So I mean, that's probably challenging coming out the other side with you know, demand levels of these products, which were perhaps surging twelve months ago. I don't know what the situation is now. Whether there's still higher levels than there were obviously before, but perhaps not as much as there were 12, 12 months ago. So I, I guess it's a challenge knowing. You know, what, what levels to stock, what levels to buy. Absolutely. You don't want to be Absolutely. stuck with loads of inventory on your hands that you, you can't shift. That's right. And and uh, Belinda and I often joke about this because Belinda is the buyer. She does the deals. And then I have to store it and figure out how to distribute it. <laughs> and she quite often gets it right. But occasionally she doesn't. <laughs> and we have to have a conversation about what are we going to do with that stock that's sitting in the DC. But yeah. Well, I think we all have, we, I'm sure we all have a few regrets right at the end where, you know, you got a few buys wrong at the end there, but then the, uh, we, as a country, we kind of came out of lockdown and then we went back in. And so mm. the surge began yeah. um, again. So, it, yeah. but it's very difficult to predict. I was going to, I was going to say the government is quick to take these snap, snap lockdowns. So the situation yeah. could change in, in a very short space of time. So I guess you as a business have to be prepared for that, don't you? 
It can change in hours. Yeah. I mean, it, it literally our, our government will tell you at 3pm via social media that we're going into lockdown tonight at 6pm. And so not only have you got to deal with all of your staff and everything that's happening to them, mm. you've then got to work out what's going to happen to the business and, and cater for that. So it's really taken a lot of time of, and you know, from HR, really, what else have they Absolutely. really been doing? Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm trying to keep up because every state has really been doing their own thing and everybody's rules. You know, we dialed back into a team today in Brisbane and they've got masks on yeah. again because over the weekend, the mask rule came back. And so every state and our customers are having to deal with that as well. Customers that are national and in this state, this is required. In that state, it's something else. So mm. it's really, it's quite unpredictable yeah. uh, as to how it's hard to think far ahead mm. at the moment. And then add global shipping problems and ocean freight uh, very challenged and for our country that really manufactures very little anymore it's uh, quite a challenging time from an inventory perspective and, and keeping those service levels where they need to be right right yeah so what's what's the situation now in terms of, of those shipping levels uh, and product availability We've been really, uh, I guess fortunate from the fact that because we own our own distribution centers and privately, uh, invest, we, we tend to sit on the heavy side of inventory anyway, and that's really kept us protected from any major stock outages. Our main strategy has, much to Amy's dislike, <laughs> has been to order more and order earlier uh, in order to get ready in case anything happened. The biggest challenge is going to be cost pressure. I think the, the cost of shipping is really, uh, reach, well, hopefully reaching a peak at the moment. Uh, but it's going to put a lot of a lot of pressure across all categories. Yep, so I think through the supply chain in terms of your suppliers raising their prices and yeah, then hopefully you're able to pass that on, on to customers, which isn't always easy. That's the hard part. <laughs> okay, Look, looking ahead, we talk about the hybrid work environment. Do you think that will be the norm in Australia going forward? Uh, nobody has a crystal ball, but <laughs> it is definitely looking like hybrid is here to stay heavily. Uh, from a staff perspective, anybody that you speak to uh, is really enjoying the hybrid world mm -hmm. uh, and employers are trying to work out how to navigate what hybrid would look like, what's their level of responsibility in supporting people working from home. Mm. But I think there is definitely, from an employee perspective, a push for hybrid to stay. Yeah, an appreciation. In the Australian market. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially people with long commutes or... There's a lot know. of benefits to a hybrid working arrangement for people, definitely. Mm. Yeah, so some of the things that our country hasn't really resolved yet is who is responsible for you at home, not only from a expense point of view and everything you're yes, consuming, safety. but from a safety point of view, from an OH&S point of view, how is that going to play out as, as really employers are working out, having a lot of your people hybrid? And so those are some of the things that our customers are navigating at the moment. We've, we've helped customers refit out all employees' home offices to replace their chair and replace their setup, kind of acknowledging this is here to stay and you better make sure that it's ergonomic and, mm -hmm. and that it's comfortable. 
Uh, and so we, yeah, we've just got to, customers really still haven't sorted it out. There's different, different views depending on who you talk to, but there definitely seems to be a desire to have some time in the office. And our challenge will be how to fill that gap of those people that are not in the office and perhaps not buying or even using as much product. Mm, exactly. Where do we play a role there? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. How, how, do, you, how do you view that or how do you try and model model your your sales or your, your business going forward with that perhaps less consumption in the office and different kinds of products being being consumed? Well, definitely there's a big product mix change. Uh, and we can see that people working at home consume less products that when they do in the office, you print less, you write less, uh, you collaborate less. So all those beautiful meeting room and collaboration products are not presenting themselves mm. at home. So that leaves definitely a less spend per customer challenge. So there's either a couple of avenues. One is we need more customers uh, to, to keep it growing, which is definitely one of our one of our growth plans. And also how to make sure whatever products that people are using, that we are part of that and our industry is part of that. So, you know, headset sales are triple what they were a year ago because everybody needs a headset and now with hybrid you're probably going to need a headset at home and you're going to need a headset in the office mm. and so those products will will change and we're going to do a good job to make sure that our customers are still providing it for their employees and that when they do come into the office that we still play a role there but the product mix is interesting i think what we sell today is very different to what we sold three years ago and it probably yeah, will exactly. change again. I think our role here really is to remain flexible and stay close to the pulse of what the customer needs whilst the customer is navigating their way through what hybrid might look like mm. um, so that we're innovating in the range and the offering mm. so that we stay relevant. Yeah, because I think the value proposition remains, right? At the end of the day, our customers need distribution from us. They've got people all over the country, that's now even more uh, exaggerated. There's very few players that can do that really well. They want consistency in what their customer's buying. They want great value. Mm. They want great transparency on what people, so kind of whatever they're buying, we, we can play a role in that. It's my job uh, and to make sure we buy it well. Uh, and it's Amy's job to make sure we can get it out really quickly when the customer wants it. And so that's what we'll keep focusing on. Yeah. Question about customer purchasing habits and perhaps uh, regulations. Do they let employees expense products for the, that they're purchasing for their home office? Yeah, we've seen we've, um, some tax reform this year to support the growing uh, number of employees working from home and some review as to what uh, employees can claim and, and not claim. So I think and the government is working on that as well. So really that's now about the share of wallet and who's paying. Mm. Yeah. How, how do you ensure that COS is a, is a destination for these people looking for products from, from their home offices? Perhaps you're not the, perhaps the first name that springs to mind. So are you, how are you developing your, your e-commerce or social media marketing or digital, digital tools, those kind of things? Yeah, we're not sure yet whether or not we want to play a role in the home market because... It's a very different profit and distribution model and, and frequency of order. 
So it's something that we're experimenting with. We're experimenting through our customers who want to have their uh, employees get access to the benefits of, of the contract that they have with us. We've got um, customers experimenting with giving their employees a certain amount of money to be able to spend with us that we can help them with their office setup. Uh, we do have a B2B uh, platform with e-commerce that, that people can take advantage of. Uh, we're just not sure yet whether or not that's going to be the right fit for us moving forward, but it's something that we need to stay open to mm -hmm. and see whether or not we can add some value in that home market where the employee pays because there's a lot of competition uh, and we're not, we're not clear yet whether or not that, that is a market that we should play seriously in. So for now, we're really focusing on the B2B space and how we can help those uh, customers help their employees where they're choosing to. Yeah, probably the, the ideal situation is that customers go and pick up their supplies from, from the office from, from time to time and you just have to deliver to, to one address and not to a host of residential addresses. We would like that very much. We would. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, great. Just just to finish off, I mean, I'm looking at you now. I've kept you in the office until half past six in the evening, your time. So my, my apologies for, for that. You're looking outside, Cos, what do you do to, to relax, to take your mind off work? Amy, you're going to go first. Always an interesting question, Andy. <laughs> uh, well, both Belinda and I have young children. Uh, mine are uh, 10 and 8 and Belinda's are nine and seven so when we're not working we tend to be hanging out with them and driving really yeah driving them around <laughs> to sports activities or birthday parties which we're very much looking forward to getting back to being able to do very soon but um yeah we do work a lot and otherwise we're with the kids right so trying try, try to juggle that corporate life and um, with with the family life Exactly, yeah, exactly. And occasionally maybe get a sister day at a day spa or a weekend away, but <laughs> very, very occasion. And we do love to travel, so we we're very much looking forward to the borders opening. Yeah, obviously that's been put on the back burner re recently, so uh, looking Absolutely. to hopefully to, to come to an OPI conference uh, in, yeah. in the not-too-distant future. Yes, that we have uh, fond memories of our last conference in London. We do, so. yeah. Feels like a lifetime ago. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll let you get back home. So thank you very much for doing this. Appreciate your time this evening and all the best with the you know, future success of, of COS. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Andy. Really appreciate it. If you have got this far, then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk. <laughs>